Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, there are many things that teens in general fear in their lives, from grades in school to changing bodies to making a fool out of themselves in front of their class. Adolescence can be a scary time for anyone. As a teenage girl, there are additional pressures that are linked to fears that get in the way of embracing life, of reaching potential, of raising our hand in class or approaching a new friend, trying out for the school play or going out for the sports team. From fear of rejection to rumors to possible failure, girls can put many barriers in the way of enjoying life to its fullest, and it can actually impact behavior, interpersonal choices, and relationships as well. So how can we make girls more fearless? For this and many more questions on overcoming fears and embracing kindness in the lives of girls, we are turning to superstar Kate Whitfield. Kate Whitfield is a speaker, author, social entrepreneur, and the founder of Fearlessly Girl, an internationally recognized anti-bullying organization dedicated to creating a kinder girl world, reaching over 50,000 girls annually through clubs and school programs. Kate has established herself as a go-to expert on girl world and anti-bullying and was selected by Instagram and the Prime Minister's Office as a hashtag education can ambassador advising the Prime Minister on youth and education-related issues and named an exemplary Canadian by Facebook Canada for her work empowering young women. I am so excited to have Kate on the show. I met Kate Eight years ago, she has been delightful and wonderful, and she is really making strides in the world of girls. So please join me in welcoming Kate Whitfield to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be on this amazing podcast with you. I'm really excited to dive in. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to dive in as well. But before we get into the meat of the matter, for those who haven't had the opportunity to read your work, to participate in your curriculum, to see you speak, could you tell us what gets you up in the morning and why you've been so focused on girls overcoming fears and embracing kindness in their relationships? Yeah, well, I started Fearlessly Girl when I was still in high school. I was in ninth grade, and I just felt like there had to be a better way. There had to be a better way for girls to interact with each other. There had to be a better way for girls to feel about, um, you know, themselves and each other. And so it was something from a really early age that I was deeply passionate about. And, I mean, over the years, it's definitely grown and involved in so many ways that I never could have imagined But I just, I was the girl that was so shy. I was this chronic people pleaser wanting to make everybody happy, 
all the time, scared to be assertive, scared to take risks, all of these things. And, and it was something that, you know, like I, I found I was holding myself back and, uh, and, and I saw the bullying that was going on around me. And because I was so shy, I was scared to stand up for other people and I would feel so bad about it. Mm-hmm. So it was just this whole thing going on that, um, you know, after one really particularly bad day, I remember thinking to myself that there had to be something. And I remember turning to the internet and, and Googling like, cool girl programs and, you know, anti-bullying programs and these things that, you know, I thought would be really helpful to have come into my school. And at that time, I couldn't find anything that was, you know, that I thought would be like a cool, fun thing because, you know, I was still a teenager and I wanted it to be cool and fun. Mm-hmm. And um, and I couldn't find that. And my dad encouraged me. He's like, well, you know, you can't be the only girl that feels this way why don't you do something? Why don't you start something? And that terrified me. (laughs) As you can imagine, being shy and insecure and terrified to speak in public. Um, You know, even in class, I was scared to speak up. So it was it was definitely a a tall order. But the more I thought about it, the more I I thought that I it was a bigger risk not to do something. Wow, that is an awesome story. And I love that you're the person who you stood up and and said, why not me? I think that is awesome. People must have been shocked that that it was you who who came to the rescue there. Um, There was something that you said that that triggered something in my head, and that was when you said, I wasn't raising my hand in class. I know that studies have revealed that that many girls are are not raising their hands in class to answer questions. They they might refrain from participating in classroom discussions. They they may even know the answer and not not participate. So what are some fears that tend to hold girls back in the classroom and and what are the consequences of of those, you know, of holding back and how can we we really help our girls to to deal with those fears that are holding them back in the classroom? Yeah, that, I mean, that's such a great question. And that's something that so much of my work within schools revolves around. And uh, the main school program we offer is a half day summit. And, and during that, it's very interactive. So I'm asking girls a lot of questions and asking them to raise their hands and asking them to participate in ways that, you know, are typically, you know, a big step out of their comfort zone for a lot of girls. But I always ask, Um, you know, for example, in the last week, how many of you girls have held back from sharing a thought, a feeling, an idea, an answer to a question in class? And doesn't matter what city, state I'm in, 90% of the girls on average raise their hands. I mean, almost every hand in the room goes up. Mm-hmm. And we do another activity where I have the girls stand in a circle and I read off a list of statements and ask the girls similar questions about, you know, not sharing what you're feeling or not answering a question or being scared of being judged based on something that you say. And again, 80, 90 percent of the girls in every school that I'm in, they step into the the circle on that. And it's always so interesting to see the girls look around the room because very often they think they're the only ones that are struggling with those insecurities that 
prevent them from putting their hand up. But when they see that almost every other girl in the room is also going through that, you can also almost feel like a collective sigh of relief mm-hmm. that they're like, well, I'm not alone, you know, like maybe I'm not the odd girl out. Maybe I, you know, have something more in common with these girls. And that's why working on working on these girls to help them be kinder to themselves and each other is so important because I think when we create a classroom full of girls who are supporting each other, who are celebrating each other, who are letting the other girls show up exactly how they are, who they are, um, I think once you have that sort of environment, it's easier for girls to put their hand up. But typically when I meet girls in, in a school for the first time, the fears that are holding them back are very often like they're scared of being judged. Mm-hmm. They're scared of conflict. Something I hear time and time again is that girls are worried, even in their friend groups, of saying something that another girl might disagree with. I feel like girls really see disagreement as as a problem. And some girls have talked about like they fight with their friends or they're no longer part of their friend group because they disagreed on something that, you know, hmm. you or I would consider relatively insignificant. But I feel like girls just don't have, I should say a lot of girls don't have um, kind of that resiliency and that ability to face conflict and to know that conflict does not have to be the end of a friendship, that if anything, it can actually strengthen uh, strengthen a friendship and it can provide girls an opportunity to work through um you know disagreements and learn another point of view but typically i find the girls that i get to work with are they're very they're scared of that like it's a real fear that that them sharing their opinion or saying something that somebody else might disagree with is actually a roadblock to a friendship so a lot of the fear-based stuff i see happening in classrooms girls not raising their hands or participating is really relationship driven. Mm-hmm. And and when a, a girl or, or a series of girls, uh, they're revealing to you that this is an issue, that they feel that when there's a conflict in a relationship, it winds up being the end of a relationship what is the what is the resolve from there? What do we do uh, in that circumstance so that girls do the work to help move them past the conflict to a stronger relationship? Yeah, I think, um, and I talk to the girls a lot about this too, because during the the summit we have, the girls break into workshops with peer leaders. So at that point I get to go and sit down in the groups with these girls and have real like one-on-one conversations about the stuff these, these kids are really going through and dealing with and battling. And so often you know, like I, like I mentioned, the girls feel like they're alone in what they're feeling. So they don't feel like other girls can relate to them and those insecurities they have. Um, I also see a lot of girls, they just want to please everybody. They're people, like chronic people pleasers. And so they don't, they don't want to let anybody down or anything like that. So once we start talking about it, the girls all kind of come to the same conclusion. Like when I ask them, like, okay, so do you wish your friend feels like she could be as open and honest with with you as you know she she needs to be and the girls all say well yeah like, I want that and and it's funny because the expectation is you want your friends to be honest with you but then you also feel like you can't be as honest with them so I feel like kind of you know dissecting this BFF thing like the 
the forever in BFF is hurting our girls. I really believe because they feel like girl friendships are portrayed in the media as being this lifelong thing that you find your besties and <laughs> that's it. Right. And, and I think a lot of us know who've gone through school um, and made it out the other side that that's not, that's not realistic. So to, to take the pressure off of these friendships being perfect is really important. So I think having a dialogue around that, and letting girls know that it's okay to grow apart from your friends. It's okay to be different than your friends. And and getting them more comfortable with the idea of conflict existing within relationships. And and that it it's not at, at the end of the friendship. Like, it can be a positive thing. So that's one thing that we talk about during the summits is just getting girls more comfortable with expressing their feelings and and dialoguing with other girls and and then the schools are left with a year-long curriculum where where the kids can like kind of practice this where there's role-playing opportunities where girls continue to be on the same page because I think that's that's a vital part of what we try to do in schools like the summit is fun it's half day like everyone gets excited about it they want to make the changes but then there if there's no follow-up that's when it falls flat So a key uh, that that I really believe in is is a consistency with the messaging, like continuing to bring it up to the girls, continuing to provide opportunities in the classroom or at home even for role playing this, these different scenarios that come up so often. You know, like what do you do when a friend and you, has a disagreement or when you disagree with a friend and you're kind of too scared to speak up? So the more that we can have these conversations with girls and dialogue around these things that come up daily. I think that gives them a confidence to then be able to deal with it in the real world. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And, and it is a skill that needs to be developed. You know, so often when, you know, maybe when, when I was younger, but even before that, I'm going to say, you know, generations ago, we often talked about girls, you know, needing to be quiet and, and be nice and not say anything at all when something came up that made them feel frustrated or angry to sort of endure because that was what nice girls do. And I think the conversation has changed quite a bit, but it still has some residual uh, leftover bits of this sort of nice girl idea. You talk a lot about being kind and I would love for you to tell me the sort of significance of this shift from being nice to being kind, especially with regard to what we were just talking about, you know, when we were talking about conflict. Is there, are you feeling like you're seeing a difference between nice and kind and, and why would it matter anyway? I, yeah, I love that. And and that's something that, like, when I was growing up, I always was like, everyone's like, oh, you're so nice. Mm. Like, you're nice. And, like, that was the biggest compliment. And the thing is, it's like, yes, I was nice, but I was also unhappy. Like, I wasn't being authentic. I wasn't, I was always looking for that outside validation. I didn't want to upset anybody. I didn't feel like I had the confidence, like we were just talking about, to deal with conflict. So I would rather say what I had to say to just avoid it. And mm. yes, I was nice. And I was getting attention and praise for being nice, but um, I'm really happy to see a shift. And and there still is a shift that has to be made because I still see a lot of girls um, kind of being chronically nice. And and there is a difference between being nice and being kind. And, and the difference that I see is that when you're being nice, I mean, you're you're looking for, it's an external thing. Like you're looking for that external validation. You're looking for, um, you know, that sort of, 
safety of you're not getting into conflict with anybody and everybody likes you and and so it's like this constant drive to sort of change who you are to fit into whatever situation you're in and that was something that that I definitely did but now with fearlessly girl and our fearlessly kind program it really is encouraging girls to um you know have that sort of like that internal validation. So it's not so much about going along with the crowd or seeking validation or approval or, you know, being terrified of upsetting anyone. It's about setting boundaries. It's about speaking up for yourselves. It's about speaking up for the girls around you, the people around you. It's about feeling confident. And so I think it's really easy to just be nice all the time, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely not so easy to be kind because in order to be truly kind and to be really looking out for the best interests of other people and to be doing your part to create, you know, the best school climate, classroom climate that you can and, you know, at home or in your community, I think you have to do the work and you have to, it has to come from a place of, of, of being confident, of not always seeking that approval of being, of having that feeling of like, yeah, you know what, like, I am great exactly the way I am. And that is such a tall order. Like, I, I can't even go into a school and say, this is our end result today because, <laughs> my God, like, I'm 32 and I'm still working on that. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so to say that to a, a 13-year-old is, I mean, it's not only unre- unrealistic, it's it's unfair. So it's really about taking those opportunities to build that muscle. And I think kindness and confidence are, are, are things that are maybe more intertwined than than we think because I feel like to be truly kind and to be really, like I say, you know, looking out for other people and, and setting those boundaries for yourself, you have to realize that you are worth that, that you are worthy of those boundaries and, and not always looking for outside approval. So I think the more we can shift from telling girls to be nice and the more we can help girls build their confidence and figure start figuring out who they are and what's right and what they're willing to speak up for, um, I think that is a shift that will really be an incredible thing to see within schools and communities and, you know, ultimately, um, you know, society. So it seems then that you really have found a way to intertwine being fearless and being kind because it it has to do with um, making sure that people see who you are authentically, you, they um, know what you stand for, that you speak up and and you're you're kindly speaking up you're saying something that is meaningful to you and impacts other people and you're not saying it in a in a rude or demeaning way but you're saying something that is meaningful uh, that can create change that takes a risk um and that still establishes you as a person of character at the same time absolutely i mean that's such a, an absolute perfect way a perfect way to put it and just you know the whole idea of being fearless for me and it's so funny because I was the furthest thing from fearless <laughs> in school um so and I always want to make it very clear to girls when when we start talking about this that it's it's not um you know and forgive me for you know taking this from Taylor Swift but it's not yeah. <laughs> about not having fear you know we're we're going to have fear we're going to be scared of these things it's just having that fear and overcoming it and it was something that actually a few weeks ago that I really 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 had to understand like fully um we my boyfriend and I decided to go bungee jumping because mm. that 
that was a fear that I had like so deep. And, and when he brought the idea up, my first instinct was like, no, like, of course, <laughs> no, like what? I'm terrified. No. And, um, then I sat with it for a bit and I thought about like, okay, like, what do you talk about for a living? <laughs> I love when that happens. You're like, oh no, I have to do this. <laughs> and at, in that point, at that moment, I knew I had to do it and I was so annoyed because. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what what I had to do, but um, you know, I really the whole process was, you know, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was terrifying, but what I really got from that was, you know, I truly believed even deeper that that message that it's not about waiting for the fear to go away because if that was the case, like I would still be up there 206 feet in the air <laughs> hanging on for dear life. I mean, I never would have. <laughs> I'll just wait till this subsides. I'll, I'll just wait. <laughs> yeah. That you is mean, a great quote though. I'll just wait for this to subside. Yeah. You can't wait till, till fear subsides in order to do the thing that scares you. Exactly. And, and for me, like after talking about it for, you know, 10 plus years, that moment was such a good reminder that, um, it's, it, there's always going to be fears and, and so much of what we want is on the other side of that. I mean, mm. for me, bungee jumping, what I wanted was to get back on land. Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. I've done it. I'm all done with this now. <laughs> then I could Instagram it and then it would all be good. But, um, <laughs> so that's what I wanted. And I had to go through this like peak fear experience to get there. And, um, so I always, you know, talk to girls about that. And I, and I feel like after having that experience recently, it's just going to really like kind of help me double down on that, that it's not about waiting for that fear to go away. It's about feeling it, recognizing it, understanding, you know, what are you really scared of? Because often what we say we're scared of is not really um, what we're actually scared of. Like if we bring it back to putting your hand up in class, like you're not physically scared of raising your hand. Mm. What you're scared of is if the teacher actually chooses you and you have to speak and you say something that is wrong or something that your friend might disagree with. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the, the fears that, and then, and then I think when you dig deeper into that, it's like you're scared of not having those friends, of sitting alone, of isolation, of feeling embarrassed, of feeling, you know, all these mm-hmm. things. So when you unpack it, it's not quite as simple as like scared of raising your hand. You're scared of socially what it could mean for your life and all these things like that that we make such a big deal of so mm-hmm. being able to give girls a language to kind of unpack their fear and that's something we try to do with our school programs is just let girls like let's dig into it let's mm-hmm. talk about it like what are you really scared of mm-hmm. and once girls do that and they name their fear and they truly like have named it um i feel like at that point then we can start strategizing like how do we take those baby steps to overcome it Mm, I love that. I think that is so important. You're, you're triggering something where I, I remember, you know, Tally, oh, she's such a daredevil, you know, and I uh, yes, and I'm all about girls reaching their potential and overcoming barriers and, you know, <laughs> talking yeah. about all of those things, what gets in your way and <laughs> She wanted to go zip lining. She's, you know, this was when she was like seven too. And I was having trouble finding a place that would accept her for her size and her weight. Right. Because like she's so, she was so tiny. 
But I found this place up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, when I was coming down from Massachusetts. And so I, on the fly, decided we'll go. And we went. And, of course, she was so excited. She'd just, you know, get herself up all by herself first and the whole thing. And, of course, I had to go with her. Now, I don't like this stuff at all. No, (laughs) no, I don't. But, I mean, this girl was determined. And we were going with some family members who happened to live up in Bridgeport. So we, we, we wound up doing it with them. Yeah, she was first online, man, between the four of us. Wow. I was last <laughs> and sat, like, stood up there muttering to myself, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm standing up here doing this thing, but ooh, uh-huh. let's, let's make sure our girls feel strong and powerful right. and, and they can do it and they can do anything they put their minds to. But I am muttering to myself as she's across the way already having zip lined, you know, <laughs> this way and that way. And it was one right after the other. I'm telling you, Gosh. oh, you know, <clears throat> so to do our work and then, you know, now I'm, I'm a mom. So it's like this extra layer of, you yeah. know, no, no, really, I want this. To, <laughs> I want this to go in this direction with this child in particular specifically as well um so you have to you have to show it you it's like not just telling or reporting it's like you actually have to do the work so that's what you did you're sitting there up there on that bungee doing the work and somebody's recording it and you're like this is happening and i'm going to be telling people about it showing them about it so it's it's i'm there with you i'm there with you fearing it with you doing it anyway I love it and I love that I love that Tally got to see you kind of you know not that's something that when I do parent events and you know because I'm not a mom and so I'm always very careful like I'm not giving parenting advice I'm just trying to bridge the gap from you know what I know about girls and and one thing I do think is so important is to like not pass on those fears to your kids so it's so cool that Tally got to see you you know up there doing it with her facing your fear I mean that's such a huge message and yeah I mean and it does kind of suck when when your job sort of requires yes. you to actually live what you say. <laughs> you can't just be like, no, honey, I'll just take the pictures, you know, I'll stay down here. Or you'll be like, hey, I watched a friend conquer a fear. <laughs> you can't do it. I went with my boyfriend because he really needed to conquer his fear. Yeah. And I was like, I have no fears. I will support you from the ground. <laughs> I will. I will, be, I will record it like we'll nobody's business. <laughs> No, it was, uh, it wasn't good. And, uh, um, you know, I think I, I think I blacked out everyone that sees the video now where it was like, you know, you, you went full dead up there. Like you just were hanging and (laughs) not graceful. Like you're supposed to jump. I literally just leaned off. Like it wasn't wasn't graceful, um, by any means, but, uh, but you know what the general consensus is it's like well you did it yeah, like, you yeah, did it. You did i think it. It, you get full on credit for that full <laughs> full full on credit or not so one of the things that you know we talked about that ki- that girls tend to fear is is rejection yeah. and and they it's not just like rejection like them getting rejected but also just even reaching out to somebody else who's like outside of their friendship group can be scary so what are some ways that you encourage kindness among girls who who can become insular, that can reject others who are different, who might not fit into their sort of same tier of the hierarchy that has been developed in the school? Like, if you're talking about being fearlessly kind, 
how do we how do we kind of encourage that new culture of kindness and reaching out to others? Yeah, and that's what's so important, and that's really at the heart of you know, why we do what we do with having these conversations with girls. I mean, it's one thing to go in and make everyone feel great for a day, but that's not enough. I mean, that's a Band-Aid for a bullet wound. Like, we need mm-hmm. to go deeper and we need to continue to um, kind of foster that environment. And and I, I really, truly believe the success of the summit and the success of the program with starting to transform that. And, I mean, it's it's certainly not something that happens Immediately. I mean, I've been working with some schools for years just to like really begin to change that culture mm. of, of groups and cliques. And, you know, girls have such a they know exactly where they fit in the, the pecking order, so to speak, or the groups or the hierarchy, as you said. And and it's just something that, you know, I start to pick up on working with the school. But the girls, I mean, they know it like they mm-hmm. see it exactly where they are and I think that's where a lot of the judgment of other girls comes in because girls are so like they feel like they're on such shaky ground with where they stand that they want to know immediately with a new girl or somebody they don't know it's like where do you fall compared Mm -hmm. and and so being able to start to break that down and that's why a big part of what we do in schools is to get the girls into groups that are different from their friend groups. Mm. They get a perspective of other girls that they think they know, they think they have an idea of who they are, but once they spend the 60, 70 minutes in the workshop portion where they're doing team building activities and actually honestly talking and opening up, Mm. they're starting to see that the girls that they were really quick to judge and label and put in this like two-dimensional box, Mm. they realize that they're 3D people just like them, that they have these feelings and insecurities and passions and, you know, dreams and all these things. Like, they all of a sudden start to see these other girls as, you know, more similar than they're they're different. Mm. And and that's something that, you know, I think is so important within schools is, is being able to provide those opportunities. And it's so hard to, like, to break those groups up and it's not about breaking the friendships up. It's just about opening them up to the possibility that they have things in common with these other girls. And that even though we're really quick to judge, um, you know, we're not always right about that. Mm -hmm. So what we do with the program is like that initial activity where the girls step into the circle. Like every girl in the room is then on the same page with the fact that we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. And I asked the girls at the end of that, I'm like, who was surprised by what, happened almost every hand goes up and then when I ask them why they're like well I this girl that I thought was perfect has all the same problems I do Mm. this girl that I've looked up to is dealing with being bullied as well and I didn't know that Mm. so I think it's you know I I don't truly believe it's as effective to stand up there for three hours and tell girls these things I think it's much more powerful to give girls the opportunity to figure them out for themselves and to have those conversations, to do those activities and to really, to really get it. Because I could stand up there and say, you guys have more in common than you think and you'll be really great friends and all this stuff. But I mean, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything unless there's like action behind it, unless there's opportunity for the girls to like connect with each other and figure that out. And that's something that I think is one of the most beautiful things after a summit is you see the leaders like really bonding with the younger girls. You see girls hugging each other, forgiving each other, girls that have maybe had conflict with each other, finally being able to reach out and apologize mm. and 
and and sort of like understand the other side of things because I think it's really easy, especially as a teenager, um, to just see things through one lens, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. That's and to really neat. Mm-hmm. So quickly, so being able to show that like there's everybody has a story, and even when you think you know somebody, you don't always know what they're going through. And these girls, I think during the summit like they just open up they just pour their hearts out and it's so beautiful because they're vulnerable and they're feeling supported and I feel like girls are starving for that so whether it's at school or at home or in a you know a club or something just being able to provide more opportunities for girls to authentically connect is what I think is is the key to starting to break down those those groups and cliques and and creating a much kinder environment Mm, mm mm-hmm Okay, absolutely. This that's great. And I really like the idea of, you know, it's very concrete any educators that are listening right now, um uh, that you know, moving the groups around and allowing people to experience different people, having opportunities to have authentic discussions, that's something we can all do. You know, we can we can do that in an education setting uh, and start those conversations, allowing people to partner up with people that they may not know as well. Um and forming groups because teachers know so well, you know, how, how it works. So, you know, forming groups each, each time that somebody's doing a project that, that helps them to, you know, get to know other people and move them out of their comfort zone. Uh, I really appreciate that as a, as a really concrete tip. I would love to shift directions because we're talking so much about in school, but we have a lot of different kinds of listeners on this show. We have many parents, we have educators. We also have a great number of coaches who to teach sports, um, athletic activities, after school programs, from martial arts to gymnastics to swim, dance, cheer. So for those who have kids who are participating in sports or an athletic activity, I'd love to get your take on, on what we're talking about here about fear and kindness. I know that you've partnered with tennis player Madison Keys um, about uh, two years ago, I think, and she's been working with you on Fearlessly Girl. So what have you seen as some of the benefits of getting girls into sports and are there any drawbacks to getting girls into sports? Yeah, and, that, and that's been such an eye-opening new world for me in the last two years to be involved in, you know, the sport community because, you know, up until then I was mostly just working with girls in school settings. And then with Madison Keys coming on board, uh, it's been just, first of all, so phenomenal working with her. She's so passionate about um about working with girls and dealing with self-esteem and body image and, you know, a lot of cyberbullying stuff that I know she deals with. So she's able to connect with the girls on that in, you know, a really profound way. But I feel like now getting to do a lot of work with different tennis tournaments, we did the Rogers Cup, we were just at the U.S. Open, and a lot of the girls that come out to those events are girls who are playing tennis or involved in some kind of sporting world. So it's been Really incredible to see the benefits of, of girls who are focused on a sport because typically girls, you know, around, you know, the tween age, they, they start to drop out of sports and mm-hmm. that is because of self-esteem and their bodies and how they feel. And I know for me, like I was a pretty a- active kid. And then as I approached, you know, 11, 12, 13, I was like less comfortable in my gym shorts mm-hmm. and like I, a lot of that stuff kind of took me out of out of that. And, and so now I'm such a big believer in really encouraging girls to 
to go into sports, whether it's a team sport or an individual sport, because it does create, you know, so many great things. I mean, mental health and physical health, obviously, but even just sportsmanship. I mean, that's something that, that I've talked to Madison a lot about. I'm like, how are you good friends with these girls that you play against? And then on the court, you are just like battling it out. Like, (laughs) is like, is it awkward in the locker room after? That's funny. And, um, and she's so great because she's like, no, like we, we understand that we understand that there's a time and place for competition and we can be so supportive of each other off the court. And then when we're on the court, we have a job to do and we're competing, but we can put that aside. And that was a message that, you know, I thought was so interesting because I see girls competing so much like in mm-hmm. school or competing for the attention of a boy or competing for a spot in a play or competing for whatever it might be. Like there's so many ways that girls are against each other, but there's not a lot of ways for girls to kind of collaborate and work together. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, after working with Madison for the past two years, really seeing that as a, as a really important benefit of girls in sports is learning when and where and how to compete. Um, also, you know, working together, trying your best, um, you know, having something to do as well. I think, a lot of times, like I could relate to this growing up, it's like, well, I'm bored, mm-hmm. I'm bored, I'm bored. But when you have something that you're involved in, in you know, whether it be a sport or some other passion or hobby or something, I feel like it really does kind of force you to continue growing and trying to be become a better person, a better athlete, whatever it might be. So seeing that with Madison has definitely been a very cool, a cool thing and a, and a cool kind of field to be working within now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Is the drawback then of getting involved with sports this idea that the competition can kind of spill over into other areas of your life and, and the, and the, what we're trying to go for is the separation that Madison has mastered? Yeah, I think, I think that's something that was really like eye opening to me to hear that. And that's an important part of it. I also think like some of the, the girls that I work with when we do the summits at the different sporting events and stuff, and they're talking about it's not so much the, um, the competition against other girls. Obviously that, that is a big part of it, but they seem to be able to put that aside. I think the thing that comes up the most with these girls is talking about, it's the pressure from the parents very often that they're just like, Oh, like I just can't deal with that. Like it's, you know, I go out there and I try my best. And the big message I get from the girls is that they want their parents to be their cheerleaders, not their coaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good point. And so, so, so if you had a parent in front of you right now who, you know, and you were told by the, her or his daughter that the, the daughter was feeling a lot of pressure and did exactly want that, wanted them to be their cheerleader instead. What would you say to the parent in the audience or the parent sitting in front of you uh, to help them shift their, their thinking? Yeah. And that's such a, that's such an important thing. And, and Christine Keys, who is the president of Fearlessly Girl USA, um, Madison's mom, she does a lot of, of workshops and talks with parents on this exact topic because she's seen it. Like she's gone through the ranks with Madison, Madison turned pro when she was like a young teenager. And so just going through that whole progression of, of dealing with not only, you know, supporting Madison, but like other parents and the competitiveness of the other parents mm-hmm. and the pressure that they, uh, they, they often put on their kids. You know, it's like, of course they want the best for their kids and they want their kids to be the best. But what I've, 
what's been eye opening to me working with a lot of these young athletes um, is that they 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 put so much pressure on themselves. These kids are they want to win like they want to be the best you know they're pushing themselves they're practicing hours hours a day so they really want their parents you know on the sidelines to be you tried your best you did great I mean obviously there's a time and a place to have those conversations this could be improved or this or that but I mean what I what I really understand now from these girls is that they want their coaches to coach them and they want their parents to, you know, just be there and be supportive and to if they had a great match or game or whatever to celebrate that. And if they didn't to, you know, still be supportive and, and mm-hmm. to and to still kind of let them kind of process those emotions oh, be the soft place for them to land. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that was something that I didn't really fully understand, like not working with with girls in sports or anybody in sports um, was just seeing like the need for the, like the girls just desperately need exactly what you said, that soft place to fall, that support, the parents kind of being supportive, but also being like, you know what? I'm not going to tell you everything you did wrong after your match. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so, that is uh, certainly a gift. If uh, if a parent can just, you know, be there and uh, allow the child to process. You know, I, I often tell parents that if they take off the, if they take on the hat of being the coach, they're taking off the hat of being that soft place to land, of being that, you know, being the, the parent who is just loving and watches their child and loves to see them play and, and have a great time and try their hardest. You know, <laughs> you can't often be both at the exact same time if you're providing um, critique. So it, it, it is important for them to be able to, to step back and say, um, my role is to be your parent. And in this sense, it is to be supportive of you, to love you through the, the highs and the lows and uh, to be what you need me to be in that in that particular moment. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that I couldn't have said it better and and just hearing it straight from straight from these girls who are out there just like training like crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Um, it's so much work and, and they put so much pressure on themselves. Plus then, you know, they've got school pressure and they've got friend pressure as well. So I think kids in sports, I mean, as much as it's, um, you know, so incredible in so many different ways, I think as they, you know, really start to gain success in a different area and and really pursue it, there's, there's a greater need for, for their parents to be just their parents Mm -hmm. and to, to encourage them and cheer them on and, you know, let the coaches do the coaching. Good words, important words, absolutely. So for the girl who is, let's say she comes to your program, you've met her, she is, you've now found that she's taken a back seat in her life. Maybe mm. she hasn't been raising her hand in class. She's admitted that she hasn't maybe tried out for the team or the play, or maybe she has, but she's like kind of playing in a way that's not full out because, you know, she's fearing the judgment or rejection. Take us through a a script of what you would say to this girl. Well, I think I would, first of all, want to really identify the fear. Mm -hmm. I'd want to understand what specifically is the thing that you're worried about. Is it being judged? Is it losing your friends? Is it being laughed at? Um, You know, to really kind of name it. I think once we can truly name our fear and understand what it is, then we can start taking those steps to overcome it. So if she's 
worried about, let's say, for example, you know, losing a, losing friendships or having people disagree with her and dealing with conflict. I, I, I would really sort of like start to explore that and understand what does that look like and, you know, where does that come from and what's the worst thing that could possibly happen in that situation? And I think once you kind of play out the worst case scenario, very often, first of all, very rarely does it ever turn out to be the worst case scenario, but um, I think when you have an idea of what that looks like and you can, part of the fear is, is the unknown, right? Like you don't know, but when you really play it out, I'm like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then she says, whatever it might be. And I'm like, okay, then what? And then what's worse than that? And it really kind of like, you know, get to the heart of it. And then very often the girls are like, okay, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I can probably live with that. That's okay. So taking the fear out of the fear, um, if that makes sense, by really naming it and exploring it and looking at it. And, and then it's, it's truly about building up from there. Like what is, what, why do you want to overcome that? Like, why is it important to you to try out for this? Like, what do you want to get from that? So now you've named the fear. Now you can name the what's on the other side of that. Like, what are the feelings associated with that? Like, you want to feel proud of yourself. You want to achieve something. Um, you have a passion for singing and you want to, you know, be on stage in your school play singing, you know, like just kind of going through what is that? What does the end result look like? So you can paint two very clear pictures. And once you have... Once you have that established, then, okay, let's, like, my favorite part, like, let's talk about the planning. What are the baby steps you can take? What is the first thing that you can do? And I I really believe it's important to not start with, like, a huge big step because you don't want to set anybody up for failure. And and for me, when I started this, like, it was such a slow progression (laughs) of just getting comfortable talking to people. So for me, I started out doing a a presentation in my science class on, you know, issues girls in the world were facing. And I was terrified. Mm -hmm. It's like this small thing I could work on. I could educate myself. I could understand it. I could put a poster together with all the stuff. And so it was like these baby steps that eventually led to this presentation, which then eventually led to doing something for the whole school and getting involved in other things. So it was it was baby steps. So I'm a huge believer in small, achievable steps you can take and not rushing it. Mm -hmm. Because any time in my life that I wanted to overcome something so badly and I just took a giant step, um, it rarely worked out. (laughs) And uh, and, you know, that's not to say that it never does. But I think it's it's more practical to kind of map out a plan, small action steps, smaller and smaller steps out of your comfort zone, because that does build that muscle. And not only does that build that fearless muscle, it builds that confidence muscle. Because mm-hmm. every time you do something that you didn't think you could do or something that scares you, you begin to have, you build resiliency, you build um, a sense of kind of a better sense of who you are and, and your confidence and that it is a muscle that has to be grown. And so having realistic expectations and, and figuring out why you want to achieve these things. Like for me, I wanted to have conversations and write books about creating a kinder girl world and helping girls take steps out of their comfort zone and speak up and helping girls not have to go through those feelings that I had. So I, I had a very strong why. Mm-hmm. And, and then the how was fun. It was fun to build. And so I feel like if a girl came to me with, you know, she wanted to start taking some risks and achieving some goals, I think going through that process of naming your fear, understanding it, 
figuring out your why. Why do you want to get over it? Why do you want to achieve these things? And then creating some action steps and Mm -hmm. being open to, you know, a few things, being open to the fact that you may fail on some of them. And that's fine. Um, That's okay. That that doesn't mean failure, I think, in girl world is very often, you know, thought of as this terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Like, kids are so scared of failing and screwing up because they're supposed to be good and perfect and all. Like, it's so much pressure that they put on themselves. So being able to have a narrative around failure where it's like, high five, good job, you screwed up. That meant you tried. Mm-hmm. You probably know a better way to do it this time. Right. And and to kind of take away the... um you know, the scariness of failure. And, and so letting girls know, like, yes, you're, you're, you might screw up on some of these points and you might not make it all. And, and maybe your plan will change as you go. That's okay. Like, I think just bringing a kindness to the process mm-hmm. where you're hard on yourself is so important. And then trying to find people, you know, that you can share it with, like share your journey with, whether they're friends or parents or aunts or uncles or siblings, that people that you can kind of build to support your journey um, is so important. And my dad was a huge support for me going through this and just being there for me when I needed help. Like the issues that we had were when, you know, because he had the best intentions for me or wanting to jump in and just do it, like help me with the business and, and tell me what needed to be done. And we always butted heads in those moments, but it was, but it was when I just knew that he was there, like mm-hmm. I could up and just like have all these ideas and he could kind of help me, help me sort them out mm-hmm. is where I started to really gain that confidence because it wasn't somebody coming in and fixing it all. It was somebody helping me unpack it and sort it out for myself. And that's great that you do that for, you know, you're doing that for the girls, that you're being that person who sort of sets them up for success and helps them to unpack their fear as you're talking about, come up with what's on the other side and get some small actionable steps that they can take once you're done. I'm curious though, you know, we've been talking so much about girls empowerment and how it relates to girls, but I'm wondering when it comes to girls empowerment, what about the boys? Is it important to sort of invite boys into this conversation? And if so, how would we do that? It is vital. And I say this to every single group of girls I'm ever in front of that just because we are girls only here today in this room does not mean that we are against the boys, that the boys are bad, that the boys aren't a part of this, that the boys don't deserve a seat at the table. I feel like to truly reach that level of empowerment, it's that's a team sport. You know, we need boys and girls involved and supporting one another because we're talking about all these pressures girls face. You know, boys as well are dealing with similar but different um, pressures and expectations and messages that they receive through the media that, you know, it's really messing up the way that girls and boys interact with each other. And there's so many conversations that need to happen. So I always say to girls, like, because whenever I do a summit, you see the boys kind of like they, they go in the hallway and they're like jumping up to look in the window. <laughs> What's going on in there? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're curious. And, and I feel like, um, you know, it's important for the girls to, to say to the boys, like, you know, we, we had this summit today and, and we're talking about it and to kind of give girls the language to be able to do that, which is, I mean, it's, it's certainly harder in, you know, the elementary and even middle schools I work in, but what we're doing, we're, we're relaunching our club program right now and we have an app coming out and we're, so we're going to have the whole program in an app. Any school can start it and we're, we're introducing a, um, a module of that 
club program that's called Team Up. And it is where the boys are invited into the conversation. So they have a seat at the table. Um, they can come and they can sort of discuss these topics that, that relate to girls' em- empowerment, um, you know, all the self-esteem, body body image stuff, but also like what the boys are dealing with and the friendship stuff and the relationship stuff and all of those really important things that are popping up in the media more and more. Like how do we have a conversation with the boys about this stuff. I love it. Yes. I'm so excited about that. It's been a really long time coming. It's not quite ready yet, but Mm -hmm. it's something that I've been talking about for years, like inviting boys into the conversation, but not having any way to do that. Mm -hmm. So now it's really exciting to be able to offer the language and the ability for girls to do that. So good. So good. So important to be able to have everybody on the same page and having these discussions when you have the boys involved, you know, certainly can help move things along. Boys can be great supports. They can be great encouragers. Um, and they can also see girls in a, in a different light, um, as we move forward and we become more fearless, as you're saying. So what would you say is your top tip uh, out of everything we've talked about today, what is your top tip to help girls to approach their lives in a more fearless manner, manner and um, help them to, you know, in their relationships and within them, their own selves? Oh, I love that question. Um, my gosh, the top tip. I feel like it, it kind of goes down to to truly like listening to girls I mean that's one thing like when I go into a school and I'm talking and the teachers are talking to them like girls are talked to so much Mm. um I think the real power comes from listening because when a girl starts to open up and starts to share then only then do you really get that glimpse into her life and how she's feeling and what she's dealing with so I think as you know, all of us, we, we want to jump in and we want to help and we want to fix things. I think the most important thing to help a girl truly become fearless and to, um, take those steps out of her comfort zone and to be that, you know, kind leader that, that we've kind of been talking about is, is to listen Mm -hmm. to her and to sort of help her navigate, um, the girl world by, by being sort of there, there to help and assist and to listen, mm-hmm. but to let her, like, guide her in figuring out the answers and, and giving her the space to, you know, make mistakes and to fail and to pick herself up and try again, like being that, that cheerleader and being there to support instead of wanting to jump in and fix everything. I feel like that is the best mm-hmm. way for girls to not only build resiliency, which is so necessary, but to help girls build that self-esteem to know that, okay, I, I, this is what I think is the right thing to do. My mom or dad or aunt or uncle or teacher kind of like helped me, like gave me that space mm-hmm. to figure this out and to nudge me in the right way um, when needed. I feel like that's the, the kind of support that, that these girls that I work with are craving. Perfect. And because what it tells them is like, you know, I believe in you. Like you, I believe that you can figure this out. I believe that you have an ability to create that kind of change that you're after. Mm-hmm support them during that. I feel like that's truly how we raise strong, fearless, kind, resilient girls. Awesome. 
Fabulous. That is a great tip, and it is important to, you know, it's so easy to get, you know, your hackles up when you're listening to a girl and wanting to, you know, wanting to fix everything. But I think you're absolutely right that we need to be the support system and the, the person who listens and is the springboard for them to, to you know, listen to them their own selves and, and what they truly want. So that is a, a, a very important tip. What is the resource of the week? Where do you want people to go to get more information about you, your programs, and everything that you've been talking about today? Yeah, that would be great. Um, you can head to fearlesslygirl.com, so fearlesslygirl.com, and we have all of our programming information. We've got all the club information that um, – the, the club that's going to be relaunched and the app and all of that stuff. So for all the resources and school programs and all of that, it's, you can find on fearlessygirl.com. Well, we will have all of that information on our show notes as well for those of you who are driving or running or doing whatever you're doing, exercising while you're listening to this. I know people are doing all kinds of things while they're listening to our podcast. So we got you. Don't worry. We got them in the show notes. Uh, I just want to thank you so much, Kate, for coming and sharing your insights and your strategies today. I really you know, love all of your tips, and I think it's really important what you're saying about girls in sports how and how helping girls to really come out of their shell asking them to share who they truly are authentically but helping them to truly see that they're not alone that there are a lot of other girls who are going through the same thing and that they have adults in their lives to support them through the whole thing as they're figuring it all out so thank you so much for sharing all of that today well, thank you so much for having me on, Robin. You are welcome. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. Go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. I'll be linking to everything with Kate Whitfield as well. Let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. And again, we're going to be connecting with Kate. Oh, and if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll kindly go up to iTunes and rate and review it so that people can learn more about Kate's incredible strategies and programs, these outstanding solutions that everybody needs in their own homes and their own schools and their own gyms. I truly appreciate it. I'm also on Instagram under drrobinsilverman.com, again, connecting with Kate. So we'll be putting memes up of all the great things that Kate said. She had so many quotes today that I know, bam, right on the meme, and you can share away. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for joining us on How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information, information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts up there. Show notes are up there as well. You can learn all about Kate and see what the things that I captured, important details that I got from this podcast as well. Great quotes. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. All of you who have girls who are feeling a little compromised or set back, they're letting fear sort of guide their world. You've got the information today that can help them. Now, I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've 
You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. 